Would you take the word of God with me and turn to the book of Acts? The book of Acts, and um, we're going to find ourselves in chapter 18, Acts 18. Uh, we are on Paul's missionary journey, and now we reach uh, the conclusion of Paul's uh, second missionary journey. <clears throat> Acts chapter 18, as you turn there. So we're going to um, finish here chapter 18, but we are studying through Paul's uh, second missionary journey. And uh, Corinth, which is where we have spent some time the last few weeks, was Paul's last stop on his pioneering ministry. And when I say pioneering, uh, the word idea of pioneer is to go into a place where you haven't been to proclaim the gospel where it hasn't been proclaimed. And that's where Paul has been doing here. He has spent some time in Macedonia and Achaia, which are two provinces there of modern-day Greece. Uh, Paul, we know, returns here in our text to Antioch from Corinth. Uh, and we're talking about referring to the Antioch that was in Syria, which is the church that sent him out back in Acts chapter 13. We know that he started another church in Antioch in Asia Minor, but the Antioch here is the one in Syria, uh, the church that sent, out, sent him out. We could say the first uh, church planting church, the first church to send out a missionary. Before then, it was kind of, it happened, uh, I don't want to say by accident, we could say by the providence of the Lord. Uh, persecution is what dispersed the first believers in Jerusalem, and that's how many churches were started. But this is the first church that we could say took the command of Christ seriously in the way to send out somebody from that local church to start other churches. And on his journey back, we're going to find in our text there's going to be several stops. So there's a summary here. And uh, he's going to be departing from Sancria, going to Ephesus, uh, sailing to Caesarea, Samaria, and then going to Jerusalem, and then up to Antioch, and then the end gives us a, a summary of the work of, in Phrygia and Galatia, which are two provinces of Asia Minor. But then we focus on Ephesus. So it's interesting here, the, the timeline, the reason why I want to explain that is because the timeline is, Paul, uh, Paul goes with Aquila and Priscilla, they leave Sancria, they sail over to Ephesus, which is on the west coast of Asia Minor. And there Paul is going to leave Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. And then he's going to make the rest of the journey. And then we read about the rest of the journey of Paul, but then we come back to Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus at the end of the chapter. So I believe here there's an emphasis on those two individuals, Aquila and Priscilla. So let's look here in our text. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 18. And we're going to begin reading in verse 18. Acts 18, verse 18. And the Word of God says, And Paul after this tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sancria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. 
And when they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, that's the church at Jerusalem, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollo. So, remember who he dropped off in Ephesus? Aquila and Priscilla. So that's where we... Paul is on his thing, but we're, we're going back now to when Paul dropped off Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. So we have, uh, within that timeline, we go back in time. Uh, the Bible says, There was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace." For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Now we find Aquila and Priscilla here, and I let me give you the, the title of the message, and then we'll look at the Scriptures later. But Romans chapter 16 mentions Aquila and Priscilla, and Paul mentions them as my helpers, in Christ Jesus. So I want to preach this morning on helpers in Christ Jesus. Helpers in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And the Lord, no doubt as we look throughout the book of Acts, we think about the ministry of Peter through the first half of Acts and Paul, the second half of the book of Acts, but interspersed throughout all those uh, journeys and all the cities that they went to are individuals that made a big difference in the work of the Lord. Name that don't seem to be prominent to us, but yet it seems very clear that they are prominent to you. So Lord, help us to learn some things from this passage that we might uh, examine our own lives and see how we might be more like Aquila and Priscilla who are, maybe as we might say, just helpers in Christ Jesus. So give us understanding and give us the wisdom to apply your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. From verse 18 to verse 23, we have a, a brief uh, summary of Paul's journey. Now the reason why I say here that this is a summary because it seems clear to me that we're going through that summary to get back to Aquila and Priscilla. The chapter began with Aquila and Priscilla and it ends with Aquila and Priscilla. And so throughout this chapter, I believe here that there's an emphasis on uh, this couple, this uh, family, 
who evidently, as it is summarized, were very helpful to the work of God, and we're going to see in what ways they were in just a moment. But as we walk our way through verse 18 to verse 23, we see a summary of Paul's journey back to his sending church in Antioch. He departs from Sancria, the Bible says in verse 18, which was a port city in Achaia. It was on the east side of Corinth. It was there that Paul and uh, or Aquila, there's a debate. Uh, sometimes people say the vow, the idea of a vow of the shaved head. Was it Aquila? Was it Paul? We're going to talk about that later because then Paul makes, there's another vow and it's uh, about purification. So we'll talk about that a little later and I'm going to touch back on this verse. I'm not going to expound on that right now. Uh, but they're going to depart from Sincrea and they're going to sail over to Ephesus. Ephesus was also a port city of Asia Minor. Uh, Paul uh, evidently here spent little time there reasoning with the Jews in the synagogue. Most likely, Paul had in his mind his return back to Antioch and to Jerusalem. And so he probably remained there in Ephesus until the next ship was available for him to depart. While he was there, by the way, he had never been to Ephesus up to this point. But he goes into the synagogue, he probably went there as a habit, and he had the opportunity to reason with the Jews in the synagogue, and perhaps when there was the next ship that was available, he said that he was going to leave, and the people said, well, can you please stay? Now he's going to come back to Ephesus, but he says, no, I can't stay, and so he leaves, but they want them to stay nonetheless, but he leaves, no doubt, on the next ship that sails to Caesarea. And so then we find him in Caesarea. Caesarea was also a port city on the west side of Samaria. So you think about Israel at that time. There would be Judea on the bottom. North of that would be Samaria. And then Galilee to the north. And Caesarea was all the way west of the Samaria region. And that's where he lands. And from there, he goes, uh, the Bible says here, up. Notice verse, um, verse 22. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up. Now if you look at a map. Jerusalem would be south, but everybody at that time said, we're going up to Jerusalem because, first of all, Jerusalem sat on a hill, uh, but everything was up. And so even if you were in Galilee or even south of Jerusalem, you always said you went up. And so we know that Paul is going to Jerusalem. And notice he says, and saluted the church. Now, it's interesting because we've read already of churches all throughout the book of Acts. But here he mentions the church. Why? I think because that's the original church. That's where the church was first found in Jerusalem. And from that church proceeded all other churches. And so he went to the church. He saluted the church there. And then he went down. He goes north up to Antioch, which is down from uh, Jerusalem. Now, the summary in verse 23, after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia, which is uh, two provinces in Asia Minor, uh, to strengthen all the disciples. And so, by the way, we'll, we pick that up later in Acts. But now we come back in verse 24 to the two individuals. We highlight in this chapter really two individuals, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, the whole chapter, I think, although we find Paul and his ministry at Corinth, I think the whole chapter is there. God wants to let us know about Aquila and Priscilla. They are mentioned in verse 2 of this chapter, and they are mentioned at the close of this chapter. 
they're mentioned again in the text we just read as being dropped off in Ephesus. So, so all those details are important. And so I believe that God brings our focus on both Aquila and Priscilla. And I want to ask the question here, what did they do? We know what they did in Corinth. We talked about that a little while. But what did they do in Ephesus? Now, I want us to think here, remember, as we find them first in verse 2, go back to 18, chapter 18, verse 2, Paul finds a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, uh, that was in uh, Asia Minor, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. So I want you to think here about Aquila and Priscilla. They lived in Rome. They go to Corinth, that's where they meet Paul. When they're at Corinth, when Paul heads back to Antioch, he takes with them Aquila and Priscilla as he sailed to Ephesus, and in Ephesus he leaves them there, and then he goes on. Now as we think about the epistles, Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned in some of the epistles outside of the book of Acts. And I want to look at those references so that we can get a a scope as to How were they involved within the churches? Uh, Turn with me first to Romans chapter 16. Hold your place there in Acts 18. Turn to Romans chapter 16. Now remember, where did they come from when they came to Corinth? They came from Rome. So notice with me the letter of Romans. Romans chapter 16. And notice verse 3. Romans 16, verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So notice here, not only does Paul say, I personally want to thank Aquila and Priscilla, but I know that all the churches of the Gentiles have been touched by the ministry of Aquila and Priscilla. Notice verse 5. Likewise greet the church that is in their house. Okay? So what we learn now, remember, they had left Rome. They went to Corinth and then they went to Ephesus. But when Paul later writes to the church at Rome, he says, greet Aquila and Priscilla. So evidently, they went back to Rome at some point. And not only did they go back to Rome, but we find out that the church at Rome was meeting in their house. Now, uh, let's go to a next reference, and that is to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, remember, it was in Corinth that Paul had met Aquila and Priscilla, and uh, they had uh, partnered in the work of the Lord there, and so later when Paul writes back to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, notice what he says in verse 19. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Now notice here, we're not talking about Rome anymore. We're to Corinth, which was in Achaia, Macedonia, Achaia. And he is writing from Asia, Asia Minor. So there was another church that was meeting in their house. The same house in Rome? No, they're not in Rome. 
they had another house. And so he writes to the church at Corinth. Now remember, 1 Corinthians is believed to have been written from Ephesus on Paul's third missionary journey, which is recorded in Acts chapter 19. And so it seems clear here that Aquila and Priscilla had also a home in Ephesus, and evidently they opened their home in Ephesus for the meeting of the church. Now later, when you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19, when Paul writes to Timothy who pastored the church in Ephesus, he says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 19. Salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesimus. And so it seems to me that they're everywhere. <laughs> uh, the church is meeting in their house at Rome. Uh, they were involved in the church at Corinth. Evidently, that opened their home in Ephesus, where the church in Ephesus was meeting. When Pastor uh, Timothy pastored the church in Ephesus, he asked them to greet Aquila and Priscilla. So evidently, they traveled a whole lot. And by the way, that was a common in those days. They were obviously entrepreneurs, business, uh, a business couple who traveled much throughout those regions. But evidently, they were not just involved in business. They were involved in the work of God. And so it seems evidently that they used their earthly resources for the work of God. Now, as we return to Acts chapter 18, again, I'm sure we're going to uh, talk uh, some other time about Aquila and Priscilla, but, but I'm interested here in what is recorded for us in Acts. God gives us this record. Uh, in, in other words, the first half of the book of Acts is following the ministry of Peter. The second half of the book of Acts is following the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But every once in a while you have an interruption or a parenthesis, but it's not really a parenthesis of the ministry of Paul. And here, God says, alright, Paul's gone, now let's go back to Ephesus. And let's be interested in what this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, did while they were in Ephesus. God chooses to highlight their lives. And I believe and I hope that we all understand today that God highlights all of our lives and that God is interested in all of us individually and what we are doing for God individually. Uh, this church is not about the pastor. The church is represented by every single individual member of this church who is involved in serving God. And so God uh, hones in on Aquila and Priscilla and uh, we read about something happening between two people, which is Apollos, and we'll talk about him in just a little bit, and then Aquila and Priscilla and how that interaction went, and what can we learn from that? And so we read in verse 24, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So let's all ask the question here, who was Apollos? Uh, let's ask ourselves here, what were his qualities? Well, uh, his qualities are mentioned. The Bible says that, first of all, Apollos was eloquent and mighty in the Scriptures. Now, the idea of being eloquent was that he could speak very well. He was uh, gifted in his oration. Uh, people would gravitate, if you would ask yourself in those days, as the Jews met in the synagogue, well, who do you like to receive an exhortation from? 
people would say, well, Apollos, he is one of the best. And you know, God does use those who have gifts, and God does give gifts unto men. Uh, I know that there are uh, some preachers who are very eloquent, uh, just the ways they, th- they say things. You know, I think uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon is called the Prince of Preachers. Why? Because it's just the way he worded things was, is quite phenomenal. And so some people have some very great gifts, and they're able to communicate uh, in a very clear and an effective way. And that was Apollo. But he was not just eloquent. Um, he was also mighty in the Scriptures. Mighty in the Scriptures. Now, I, I do want to pause and I do want to say this, that God does not necessarily use eloquence. Uh, when uh, Paul, as a matter of fact, when he writes to the church at Corinth, he writes to them and he says, I, when I came to you, I came not in excellency of speech. I, I came and my body was weak. And, and Paul, uh, and I, if you were to compare, I think if you were to compare uh, Apollos and Paul, and you would think, well, who has the, who is the most eloquent? I think people would say Apollos. And by the way, Paul knew that because he said he was not eloquent. So God, no doubt, can use somebody that is gifted and eloquent. But it is not necessarily true. Eloquence is not necessary to serve God. But it does help. And by the way, I'm grateful for that because I wouldn't consider myself eloquent. (laughs) There are people who are very gifted in that and Apollos was one of them. But what I like about him is not just that he's eloquent, but he is mighty in the Scriptures. In other words, it seems evident that Apollos knew the Scriptures. He was able to deliver some uh, thoughtful exhortations concerning the Scriptures. He was not only eloquent and mighty in the Scriptures, but the Bible says he, notice, was instructed in the way of the Lord. Now, the idea of instructed is not only was he able to deliver and to deliver the Scriptures eloquently, but he was also had sat a long time being the one who was instructed. Uh, And you know, the the truth is today, you cannot give what you do not have. And so there is a sense that it's important for us, yes, to be in the position where we are teaching, where we are instructing, but that can only happen once we have been properly instructed. We cannot give what we do not have. And so Apollos is simply giving what has been communicating to him. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. But he, the Bible also tells us that he was fervent in the Spirit. Fervent in the Spirit. Now, um, whether he was, um, you know, we, we may have our ideas of what we think is fervent in the Spirit. Uh, I, I don't think that that necessarily means that he was loud and lively. Uh, but his spirit was fervent about the truth of God. Uh, he was convinced by the word of God and he's unashamedly delivered the truth of the word of God. And so he was fervent in the spirit. He, he, there, was no, there was no timidity about, he was not timid about delivering the word of God, but he was firm because he, he knew that what he was communicating was the truth. Uh, the Bible says he also taught diligently the things of the Lord Uh, Later in verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and so he was bold. So all those things are part of the life of Apollos. But yet, at the same time, we not only see his qualities, but we also find some reservations about Apollos. 
What are the reservations? Well, notice what is mentioned at the end of verse 25. Knowing only the baptism of John. Now, I want to pause here and say this. That is not a criticism. Uh, wasn't John necessary? John the Baptist we're talking about, yeah? By the way, he, John the Baptist, was the fulfillment of the prophecies. You could go through Malachi and Joel, and so there was uh, plenty of prophecies concerning not just the Messiah that was to come, but also John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, who was also to come. Uh, we find, by the way, later, when Paul goes to Ephesus, he finds some people who all they knew was the baptism of John. Now, by the way, John and the ministry of John was what? Was preparatory. It was to prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, we could, I'm not going to go there for sake of time, but you read Matthew chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, John chapter 1. Remember, it was, after all, John the Baptist who says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh, the sin of the, taketh away the sin of the world. And when we think about the ministry of John, what, does, what, what, do we, what is the focus of the ministry of John? We know it's Christ, but before Christ came, what was it? Repent. Get right with God. The Messiah is coming. And if you are going to prepare for His coming, you need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, by the way, that's a good message. And that was a good thing to do. Why? Because Israel needed to repent. Now what we find in the ministry of John the Baptist is that there are those who follow John the Baptist, but when he announced Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God which taketh the sin of the, away the sin of the world, and when Jesus was baptized of John the Baptist, by the way, that's why we don't teach, baptism does not regenerate. Jesus Christ does not need regeneration. Um, disciples that were went after John began to follow Jesus Christ. And that's what had to happen. But we know that some disciples of John remain with John. And I think that was the wrong decision. You remember when he was confronted with the idea of Jesus baptizing more people than John? You remember what John said when they were trying to stir him up? That there's more followers of Jesus than there are John the Baptist. John, John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. What he is saying here, I know there's that personal application, but there's also the ministry application, is that the ministry of Jesus Christ is supposed to take off and my ministry is supposed to vanish eventually. I'm supposed to be done. There's supposed to be no followers of John the Baptist. So Apollos, all he knows is the baptism of John. And so he, by the way, he no doubt would have to have made reference to the Old Testament. And evidently he would talk about John the Baptist. He would talk about how he came to prepare the way of the Lord. But there was something that was missing, and I think we know what was missing here. It was the element of Christ. Uh, that, that Christ was there and that Christ had come that the Messiah had come as it was announced by John the Baptist. And so what happens here in our text is that Aquila and Priscilla, notice verse 26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now obviously people are, are drawn to his eloquence. They're drawn to the fact that he is mighty in the scriptures. He knows the word of God. They perceive that he is a man that has been instructed. He is not a self-made man. Uh, they see that he is fervent in spirit. He is convinced that what he is preaching is the truth. He is presenting the things of the Lord diligently. 
but it's only about the baptism of John, so there's something missing. Now, by the way, what was John's ministry? It was announcing the Messiah. So basically, if you believe the message of John, you believe that Messiah is coming, who will take away the sin of the world. Well, that, that's the right message. What I'm saying is, Apollos is not wrong. There's just something missing at the end of the road. Now, when he begins to speak boldly in the synagogue, Aquila and Priscilla come to the synagogue and they heard. Now, I do want to emphasize one more quality about Apollos. You ready? And, and this is strange to me because it doesn't seem to fit with all the descriptions of Apollos. And that is the other quality that I did not mention is because that quality is not explicitly stated, but it is assumed. Notice verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. And he, when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. Who? Apollos. Here's what we learn about Apollos. He was a humble man. Ready and willing to learn. Now, that doesn't seem to go with what we learn about Apollos, does it? Notice, remember, he was eloquent, mighty in the scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit, spake diligently, was bold in preaching and exhorting in the synagogue. And yet when Aquila and Priscilla talk to him, he is humble enough to listen. You know what is missing today? One of the elements that is missing today is humility and a willingness to learn, to be instructed. Now, notice he had already been instructed. And it's interesting that when they instruct him, they instruct him more perfectly. He was not wrong in what he had been instructed. He just needed it more perfectly. In other words, I don't think that anything that he had been taught concerning John the Baptist was wrong. There was just the element of Christ missing. And so, he was humble, a humble man ready to keep learning. But I'm interested in Aquila Priscilla. Now, there's not a whole lot that is said, but I want us to try to apply the ministry of Aquila and Priscilla. Paul refers to them as my helpers in Christ Jesus. So let's look at what is a helper in Christ Jesus. You ready? Verse 20, 26. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard. So, Aquila and Priscilla, they come to the synagogue. By the way, they've been around the ministry of Paul. Remember, he was a while in Corinth. He met uh, Aquila and Priscilla early on in Corinth. So, they've been with Paul for over a year, listening to Paul teaching and preaching the Word of God. They are grounded. Now, I believe they were saved before they met Paul. But they are grounded in the truth, and they know the truth, and so they come to the synagogue, and they hear this guy who is fervent in spirit, who is eloquent, who is mighty in the scriptures, and yet they sense here that there's something's missing. But you notice here their attitude, when they heard, they took him unto him. And so I want us to see here something happen in the heart and the mind of Aquila and Priscilla when they heard Apollos preach. And let me tell you what it was not. That young guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. 
He is just ignorant. Nobody should listen to him. He shouldn't have an opportunity to preach in the synagogue. He is completely ignorant. I know God's word better than he does. I should be the one standing up there. Am I not maybe communicating a little bit of what the flesh would do? In Aquila and Priscilla, who know the word of God, who've been grounded under the ministry of Paul, and then this young preacher comes and look, he's, he, he's, he's got life, he knows the scriptures, he's been instructed, he's diligent. I mean, there's everything that you could ask, it's there. But there is no bitterness in them that they see a young man who, who, who wants to do what is right. And we see that they don't ascribe any motive or they don't try to assassinate his character. You see, often that, that's, that, that's what happens. When we think about somebody standing up and we, we, we may look around us and we, we may think about opportunities to serve God and, and often if we're not careful, we allow our flesh, our own imagination our own interpretation of what we think somebody means by something, was Apollos missing something? He was missing something. But he was not insincere. He was not trying to mislead people. He was not trying to dupe people. I believe he was a sincere man. And they took him in. They heard him. And notice in that hearing they did not ascribe evil, evil motives to Apollos. So they heard him, but notice, and they took him, notice, unto them. Now, I believe that there is already a congregation established in Ephesus. The reason why I say that is because in the next verse, verse 27, and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, Apollos was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, well, what brethren? Well, it's, they're in Ephesus. We know later that in Ephesus, that's where uh, the church was meeting in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. And so understand, when Aquila and Priscilla, they brought in Apollos, where did they bring him? To the church at Ephesus. They brought Apollos into the local congregation at Ephesus, exhorting, notice, the disciples to receive him. What disciples? At Corinth. He's going to Corinth. He's been in Ephesus. They brought Apollos in with them to Ephesus. They took him unto them. And then later, when Apollos leaves the church at Ephesus, he gets a letter of recommendation from the congregation in Ephesus when he goes to Corinth. So, notice, they took him unto them. What is that? They, they received him. You know, I, I liken that to what we find earlier. You remember uh, Saul when... He was breathing out threatenings against the church. And he got saved on the road to Samaria there. And uh, you remember God, uh, God asked uh, Ananias to go and to speak to him. Or Barnabas. Or Barnabas takes him in. Ananias goes to him and delivers a message. But you remember when Paul then, he goes to Jerusalem, the Bible says he is saved to join himself to the disciples. Well, if you have a persecutor knocking on your door, you're going to say, no, thank you. That's good pretense, but we're not letting you in. We know who you are. What happened? Barnabas took him, and he brought him unto the disciples. 
Isn't that interesting? That that is a personal ministry of coming alongside Aquila and Priscilla. They came alongside Apollos. And they said, Apollos, let's invite you to our, to our church. Come, join us. They received him unto themselves. And there is a sense, by the way, that, you know, everybody expects that of the pastor. When I, people come to church, pastor comes and say, hey, welcome, we're glad that you're here. But, you know, there is a sense that all of us ought to be in, involved in that, just to bring, coming alongside somebody, inviting them in, bringing them in, uh, making them uh, feel at ease with, with the group. You know, Apollos, he, he doesn't know what to expect. All he knows so far is he's going to the synagogues. He has the opportunity to preach and to teach. But now he's go, coming into a group. And, and think about it. They're, they're not going to have Apollos teach and preach because he, he doesn't know everything yet. But he is sincere. He loves the Lord. He knows the scriptures. He has been instructed. And it seems to them that he is willing to be instructed. Again, it's interesting here that, uh, that uh, Aquila and Priscilla must have sensed something in Apollos that although he was fervent and knew the scriptures and was instructed, they must have sensed something in Apollos that said he, is, he, he would be willing to hear from us. There's something about the disposition of Apollos that seems that he has a humble attitude although he is fervent. By the way, you can be both. Boldness does not mean the absence of humility, but often that's how people think. Oh, you're bold, therefore you must not be humble. You can be both. That was Apollos. They heard him, they took him in, they took him unto them, the church, and notice what, they expounded the way of God more perfectly. Now, does it get any better than perfect? Well, you can't get better than perfect. But he says they expound unto him more perfectly. Why? Because if you think about, this is what I think, in the mind of Apollos, he had everything right up to John the Baptist. All of the Old Testament. I believe he believed in the Messiah. Why? Because if you believe in John the Baptist, you have to believe the Messiah is coming. That was the message of John the Baptist. And so he had everything right up to John the Baptist. But then, and so he wasn't wrong about anything before then. His knowledge of everything up to John the Baptist was perfect. But he had to build on that so that it could be more perfect. You see, what the, the ministry of John the Baptist was a perfect ministry in, in, in that it was the fulfillment of God's prophecy and of preparing the way of the Lord. But then you can't miss Christ. And so... They expounded the way of God more perfectly. The word expounded means that they also had the scriptures. And they brought Apollos in. And how do we know that? Because we see in verse 25, he only knew of the baptism of John. But as we keep reading verse 27, And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, uh, helped them much which had believed through grace. So, <laughs> did you see that? Apollos, when he left... He exhorted the disciples, they exhorted the disciples to receive him with the letter. When he came to Achaia, Apollos was helpful to the believers in Achaia. In Corinth, he was helpful to them. Notice verse 28. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that what? Jesus was Christ. It is. 
So what, what was it more perfectly? Well, he only knew of the baptism of John. So what does it mean to expound it more perfectly? Jesus Christ. And notice, they don't discount him. They don't put him on the sideline. They send him with a recommendation. And Apollos actually somehow strengthens the believers that had been under the ministry of Paul in Achaia. But how did Apollos get to, how did he get there? He got there because of Aquila and Priscilla. How was the church formed in Ephesus that allowed Apollos to come among them? Because Aquila and Priscilla had opened their home. Why did Aquila and Priscilla bring him in? Because they had a more perfect knowledge than Apollos did concerning the scriptures and the things of the Lord because they had been under the ministry of Paul for a while. What I'm saying to you is Paul, Apollos was mildly used of God, but Apollos would have done absolutely nothing if Aquila and Priscilla had not made a decision to reach out to Apollos. Aquila and Priscilla preachers? Nope. Is he a deacon? Not that we're aware of. Well, what was he? We know he's a businessman. Him and his wife. Business in Rome, Corinth, and Ephesus. Probably other places, but at least those three places. What did he do? He used, he used his earthly resources to make an impact for Christ. And when Paul thinks about Aquila and Priscilla, he says, My helpers in Christ Jesus. Let us not think that whatever we're doing for Christ is too little. Certainly there are people who, as Apollos, may stand publicly and proclaim. By the way, isn't it interesting that it was not Aquila and Priscilla who went to Achaia and strengthened the brethren? It was Apollos. Aquila and Priscilla probably could have thought even to themselves, well, I should be the one going to Achaia. I know more than Apollos. I should be the one going there. No, no. God has... Evidently gifted Apollos, and now that he knows the scriptures, God will use him. See, Aquila and Priscilla are willing. Here's what, now we, they're recording the scriptures, but where are they? They're, they're behind the scenes. We understand that? They are behind the scenes, but yet they have a great impact for the work of God. And I think we all need to be aware that there's much more going on behind the scenes than there is going on in public for the work of God. There's much more going on behind the scenes for the work of God than there is going on in public for the work of God. Just read Romans 16 and what Paul wrote about all the people that were a help to his ministry and you'll be encouraged and strengthened. And so you say, okay, what's, what, what do we get out of it? Would you be in Aquila and Priscilla? Now, may God raise people to preach the word through this congregation? Yeah, He may. He has. Wonderful. That's a blessing. But there's many more people who are involved as Aquilas and Priscillas in the church. And so let's just be willing to be what God has for us and to make sure that as we serve God, that the, the spirit of Aquila and Priscilla is the same spirit that is found in us.